This is the Santita Jackson Show. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning. Happy holidays to you. Uh, happy Kwanzaa as we begin the Kwanzaa celebration. The Kwanzaa uh, season has begun. Merry Christmas. Hope you had a wonderful uh, holiday celebration. Uh, if you're uh, a person that's celebrating a Christmas holiday, you know, we're, we're now uh, deep in the holiday season, and I hope that your holiday season is, is, full celebrate, is in full celebration swing. I'm Attorney Daryl Jones. I'm the board chair of the Transformative Justice uh, Coalition. I'm sitting in today for uh, Santita Jackson. Santita is well. She's well, everybody. Don't worry. She is well. She's taking a very much deserved rest today uh, as she uh, continues to take the advice from Dr. Shanita Knighton because Dr. Knighton says take care of yourself and that's what Santita is doing today. So uh, let's uh, let's keep her in prayers and be thankful that she's taking the advice of Dr. Knighton and getting that rest. Well, you know, as we go through today's show, uh, we have a lot that we're going to be covering uh, we know that in Bethlehem, uh, there was a call to cancel Christmas celebrations uh, due to the bombing. And, you know, we think about this Christmas holiday. And if you're a, a Christian, you think about the birthplace of Christianity and you, you, you cancel Christmas, cancel the celebration. Just something that I, I never thought uh, I would be saying uh, out loud uh, as a child or as an adult, never thought we'd be hearing that. But I certainly want to wish a good morning to the entire radio family of, uh, of uh, the Santita Jackson Show and a big shout out to all the morning stars that are, that are here and listening and, and, and active uh, with this show. You know, you've heard from me before as an analyst on politics and voting issues. And so, uh, you know, I feel like I'm at home. Uh, this, this is just another home here. So, you know, we're going to have just a great show. We know that the 2024 election season uh, is here, and it's time to talk uh, voting preparation, talk voting suppression efforts that are being taken around the country at different states trying to stop particularly black, brown, and young people from exercising their right to vote. We're going to even talk about uh, a recent case that has come out of the Eighth Circuit down in uh, Arkansas that's trying to stop you from having your voting rights, uh, being able to go to court to protect your voting rights, trying to stop you as a person, trying to stop the Rainbow Push Coalition, trying to stop the NAACP, trying to stop private organizations that sue to protect your voting rights. We're going to be talking about that this morning as well. And my goodness, there's there's just so much to, uh, to talk about. You know, I know that you've gone through this holiday, and I hope that you've had uh, you know good family, uh, good friends, a good time, and some good meals. And that you've now fed your soul, uh, fed your fed your food, uh, and, and fed your body. But you know, we do some good news to to feed the soul, and it's always great to hear good news to feed the soul. And, and there can be no better person to talk about good news to feed your soul during this holiday season and every day, other than Reverend Stephen Thurston the second. He's with the New Covenant. Missionary Baptist Church. Uh, he's also an author, uh, Mirror Moments, and you know, a sociologist. You know, a Morehouse man. I don't, I don't think, uh, Reverend, I need to say more than he's a Morehouse yeah. man. <laughs> and you know that uh, he's just a, a phenomenal person. Uh, Reverend Thurston, what words do you have for us this morning? Hey, Attorney, good to be with you today. And the word that I have for our listening audience is a question. And that question is: Are you healed or just distracted? Let me come this way. Have you ever tried to shake off an injury like twisting your ankle during a run or hurting your back while lifting weights? 
but decided it was no big deal. So you just went easy the next day and modified your workout a little bit for a while. And over time, the pain seemed to go away. So you continued back as normal. Uh, that was until you made that one wrong turn or took that one, that one stride that was too fast. And then you heard something. You heard a little crack or a pop, and now you're officially injured for months or maybe even longer. You ended up on crutches or in a cast or maybe even bedridden for some time, all because you tried to move on too fast without properly addressing the pain. So many times. We tend to dismiss the hurt and the pain that comes after a hard time, be it a job loss, a transition of a loved one, a breakup, or even divorce. And instead of trying to address the pain, we just keep doing life. We opt for a new hobby or new people to take our minds off what has just left us or hurt us or wounded us. You wouldn't join a basketball league while you were still recovering from that ankle injury from playing football that you didn't properly take care of. Why? Because you need your feet for both sports, and just because it's a different game, that doesn't mean the old wounds aren't still lurking. However, we do this all the time in our professional lives and our relational lives. You cannot expect a successful career if your last failed attempt wasn't properly assessed. And you cannot have a long-lasting relationship with someone if they are still just a filler for the last person that left you empty. Unchecked pain can lead to voids that will be filled by everything and anything but healing. And many of us are still carrying baggage, confusion, and frustration from other places that now has the opportunity to enter new spaces. And I need for us to analyze ourselves our situation, our relationship, our lives, and ask this question. Am I doing this because I value it or because it feels void? Am I entering this relationship because I value them or because they feel a void? And when you simply distract yourself from the pain that doesn't make it go away, we just end up affecting people in places that were not at fault. And when you don't heal your old wounds, you share them with others, and nobody wants to carry around your wounds. Would you ever heal a bullet wound with a Band-Aid? Of course not. That's absurd. You need to clean it, disinfect it, have a medical professional remove the bullet, and then take the necessary rest for your body to recover. Yet, isn't this what we do when we face trauma? Yeah, we patch it up with quick solutions like new people and places, we move to a new state, or worse yet, we ignore it. But in reality, we're letting our wounds fester, giving them the opportunity to infect others. And this is why it's vital to heal yourself first before you start engaging elsewhere. My challenge to us today is to stop distracting yourself and start assessing yourself. And I often hear people say all the time, attorney, that time heals all wounds. Ah, uh, well, that's not really the case. Healing isn't simple, nor is it linear. Healing is more like a roller coaster. It isn't beautiful and poetic. It's messy and ugly. But here's the thing. It's necessary. And I get it. Some of you that are listening to me, you're hearing me, but you've already made up in your mind that you're not going to do anything that I'm talking about with what you've heard. And I get it. So let me put it to you this way. Holding on to pain is like playing tug of war. You can pull as hard as you want because you want to hold on to it. But when you finally decide to let go, the cuts are going to be skin deep. 
And sometimes out of fear, we hold on to things, the pain, the hurt, the past. But all that does is make the cut that much deeper by the time we finally decide to let go. Let me close. As you move from distraction to doing the work of healing, I'm encouraging each and every one of you to be gentle with yourself and with the process. Have faith that you'll start to feel better and that the world has something better to offer you than the last experience. And then finally, be patient with the process and trust yourself that you're brave enough to heal. I want us to move from being distracted to being healed. Have an amazing day. Oh, wow. Thank you so much, Reverend Thurston. You know, just in powerfully, uh, just an incredibly powerful words that, that you've laid out. You know, healing is a roller coaster. Healing yes. is a roller coaster. Unchecked pain remains pain. You got to you got to get it. it checked out and get it taken care of. Absolutely, right. just really appreciate that word. And you know, you talk about people getting themselves right. I, I remember reading this book by Ayala Van Zant called "In the Meantime," and it talked about people that want to get into relationships, but they're not in a relationship with themselves. You know, they don't know who yes. they are. They haven't taken care of themselves. So that, that seems to be really mirror uh, what you were laying out with regards to checking yourself and being certain that you are, you are whole as a person and you are well as an individual. That's right. That's important. So, We've got to do the work on the inside of us before we can positively affect everybody and everything around us. Well, definitely appreciate you. Appreciate you every day. Particularly appreciate you during this holiday season. Take care of yourself. Thank you for the word. Hopefully the listeners will take heed to your message. Uh, that, yes, that sir. Message appreciate that... you. All right. Take care. Thanks so much, Reverend. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Folks, let me tell you, you know, uh, Reverend Thurston just really laid it out with regards to uh, the importance of taking care of yourself. You know, as we are moving now uh, into January, very quickly, what are, what are we, less than uh, five days away from January? Well, guess what? We're less than two and a half weeks away from the first election. The Iowa caucus is January the 15th. It is right around the corner. And that kicks it all off because then we go into high gear with regards to this election season. And let me tell you, you know, if, if, you, if you don't know, this is going to be a wild uh, election year for 2024 that, that has been predicted. You know, so, you know, I'm really excited uh, that everyone is here and that you're listening to the nation's largest progressive talk radio here on WCPT. We're going to move into some of this voting conversation, uh, you know, because uh, you know, we need to, to talk about these issues. So, you know, whether you're in uh, Minneapolis or Chicago or uh, Maryland or wherever you are, uh, these are some of the issues that we definitely need to discuss. And I can think of no better person to kick off this conversation about what's happening for this upcoming uh, 2024 election than uh, the person who was the, uh, the founder of the Transformative Justice Coalition, the pre President Emeritus of the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law. Uh, she is uh, one of the nation's foremost leading authorities on voting rights and election protection, in fact, uh, she created the election protection for the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law, which is uh, everyone uh, is now familiar with, the 866-Hour Vote. So welcome this morning to Attorney Barbara Arnwine. Barbara, welcome. Hey, good morning, Daryl. Thank you for having me on. 
I send my regards to Santita Jackson. It's great to be on her show. Thank you for having me this morning. Well, Barbara, you know, um, January 5th starts the Iowa caucus. And from there, you know, election season just seems to roll. And, you know, you're one of the leading authorities when it comes to voting and voting protection issues and voting rights issues uh, around the country. Uh, Are there certain issues that our voters should be looking for at this point in time? Are are there certain things that are going on that uh, that we need to take note of? Yes, I would say there are two big things that people need to know. Lies, lies, lies and more lies is the first one that people are trying to deceive the public about the truth of what's going on in the civil rights arena. Uh, People are distorting uh, the public's mind, trying to make people uh, feel that they uh, have, you know, uh, received monies that they haven't received. They've, uh, you know, trying to, you know, portray people as, older than they are and younger than they are. There's all kind of nonsense going on around who about the candidates, the parties, etc. But listen, folks, throughout history, both parties have been problems for black people. Don't you ever think it's just one party or the other. Don't you ever say, oh, it's all this, it's all that. Both parties have been horrible. But Right now, there are differences in their policy positions, and that's what you need to be voting on. Don't be voting on personality. Be voting on party. Don't let everybody tell you, oh, you know, it was the Democrats that did this and the Republicans that did that. You vote on what their current policies are. Where do they stand on voting rights? Where do they stand on civil rights? Who's out here doing book banning? Who's trying to take away the rights of women for their choice when it comes to our reproductive rights? You have to vote on policy, please. Uh, The second thing is that people are unaware that there's dirty dirty, evil dealings going on in the courts, that people are trying to destroy and take away our voting rights. And how are they doing it, folks? Not only are they engaging in passing wicked, vicious voter suppression laws, but, Daryl, they are also saying you can't go to the courts. We don't want you going to the courts and using the Voting Rights Act to stop us. From engaging and, and in illegal, when, unconstitutional voting rights discrimination. Right. And Barbara, when you say that they can't go to the courts, uh, and you're talking about uh, the NAACP and the state of Arkansas in the case that's there in the federal Eighth Circuit, what do you mean that uh, they can't, that an individual can't go to the court? What do you mean by that? I'm talking about the fact that on November the 20th of this year, November 20th, 2023, people, the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals issued an opinion saying that only, only the Department of Justice, the U.S. Department of Justice, could bring any lawsuits under Section 2, which is the liability state of section of the law of the Voting Rights Act, meaning that if I go to a polling site right now 
in Arkansas, Iowa, Minnesota, Missouri, Nebraska, North Dakota, or South Dakota. Right now, if I go there and I see signs that say blacks can't vote here, I can't sue under the Voting Rights Act. I can't. Not in those states. I got to call the Department of Justice and say, you got to help me. You got to sue for me. That is not the law of the land right now. If I'm injured that way, I can file a private lawsuit or go to an organization like the Transformative Justice Coalition, like the NAACP, like the ACLU, like the Rainbow Push Coalition, and say, please bring a suit for me. And I can do that right now. We can go into court and say, stop this illegal, unconstitutional racial discrimination under the Voting Rights Act. But no, not in those states that I just told you about. They have said that that they will not allow a private party who's been injured, nor an organization that represents those people, to bring a case under the Voting Rights Act that our ancestors bled for, Daryl. Bled for, But, you know, Barbara, there are people that are listening to the broadcast, and they're thinking, okay, the attorney general gets to to bring the lawsuit. What's the big deal? So long as someone can, can bring the lawsuit... But we know that, you know, over the last 20 or so years, uh, it's been less than 10 percent of the lawsuits that have been brought uh, for violations of Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act of, of individuals' rights to vote. Only less than 10 percent have been brought by the attorney general's office. What does that mean uh, with regards to, you know, if this law should should stand, should, should, you know, remain in place and become the law of the land from the Supreme Court? Oh, people will be able to discriminate all over the place, especially that vicious form of discrimination where, you know, I used the example where you said uh, where somebody could go in and they see a sign saying no blacks allowed. But what if they take all the polling places, close all of them in the black areas of town and force you to only vote in white areas? They don't say that they're doing this, but they closed all your polling places in the black areas and you can only go vote at the white areas and they're like 14, 20 miles away and you have to go, you'll pay your gas, all the rest of it. Folks, right now you can sue for that. You can sue under the Voting Rights Act and say, listen, they may not be saying no blacks can vote, but they're making it so that you can't. And that's illegal under the law. And they can, they're hiding their motives. But we are able to penetrate that you know, reality by showing what's really going on in the courts. I got that legal right. But if you have, like, the Trump administration, I'm just going to use examples, people. Uh, you know, Daryl said 10% of the cases are being brought uh, by the U.S. Department of Justice. But look at how many cases were brought under Trump and throughout the entire uh, United States. There were not even 10 folks. There weren't even four. There were, uh, when I'm talking about racial discrimination and voting, we got to understand that different administrations uh, will not enforce the law. They will just sit back 
take our tax dollars, look at us like we're fools, and refuse to use their authority, their power to enforce the Voting Rights Act. That's why organizations like the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights and the Law, which I, her- which I headed up for 26 years, we vote with the Legal Defense Fund, with the NAACP, with the ACLU, with so many other amazing organizations. We brought the majority of all the lawsuits challenging voter discrimination. And, you know, and Barbara, as, as we move to a close on, on this uh, part of, the, of this segment, you know, there are people in uh, Chicago and Minnesota and some other parts of, of the country that are saying, OK, that's Arkansas. Uh, why should I be concerned about this? Weren't there some other attorney generals from different states that have weighed in on this, too? Yes. Fourteen attorney generals have said this should be the law of the land in Texas, South Carolina, Georgia. Florida. Listen, folks, if you're in Minnesota, you already are being affected by this law. They're making people drop lawsuits. They're telling people they can't proceed with their lawsuits that have already been filed. We are in the battle of our lives. We're in the battle of our lives, folks. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some more battling that's going on for rights to vote and things that are occurring around the country. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back with the Santita Jackson Show. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Change the world. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. This is Attorney Daryl Jones. I'm standing in for Santita Jackson on the Santita Jackson Show. And we encourage everyone uh, as we move into this portion of the show to, to uh, if you have a, a comment or a question for our guest, to call in at 773 763 WCPT. That's 773 763 9278. And, you know, uh, before we uh, go through the headlines. You know, there, there's so much that's going on this this holiday season. We got to be certain we take time for those that uh, recognize Kwanzaa to be certain that you start that celebration of Kwanzaa that begins today. So uh, get your Kwanzaa candles in place, get your 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 books and everything else that you do for Kwanzaa in place, and be ready to celebrate that holiday. And whatever the holiday season is that you're celebrating, we hope that you've had uh, a great one, uh, whether it was Christmas or or whatever it may have been. We hope that you are really uh, well underway in this holiday season, that you've had a wonderful celebration. We're coming up on the new year. But, you know, also we're coming up on the Iowa caucuses. And so the uh, election season is directly upon us. Uh, it's less than three weeks away, to be uh, to be exact. The Iowa caucus is January the 15th, or about two and a half weeks outside of that. But here at WCPT, you know, this is the nation's largest progressive talk radio station. It's the voice of progressive Minnesota, the voice of Minneapolis, St. Paul. And let me tell you, you know, in the weather portion for this, uh, the weather in Minneapolis, St. Paul, it's a light rain today. It's 46 degrees this morning. It's going to taper off, though, for this afternoon and this evening. I have a a low of 27. Uh, In uh, Chicago, 
Uh, we're going to have a high of 47 degrees uh, today in Chicago, and tonight we're going to have a, uh, a chilly, what, what we call here in Maryland, a chilly 31 uh, degree weather. That, that, that's probably shorts weather in Chicago uh, there, uh, uh, Mr. McKee. In the sports, let me tell you, uh, the Chicago Bears beat the Arizona Cardinal, uh, Cardinals on, on, uh, on Sunday, 26-17. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings uh, lost to the Detroit Lions, 30-24. to And I, I, since I'm a Baltimore guy, the Baltimore Ravens were victorious over the San Francisco 49ers, 33-19. And that MVP candidate, Dwight McKee, Lamar Jackson, was just off the books, off the charts in yesterday's game. The Chicago Bulls uh, will be taking on the Atlanta Hawks tonight at, uh, at 8 o'clock in Chicago. And the Milwaukee Bucks uh, lost to the New York Knicks, 122-129. The Chicago hockey team uh, lost to the St. Louis Blues, 7-5. Folks, let me tell you, you know, there's a lot of things that are happening around the country today. There's just, you know, all kinds of uh, information that, that, uh, that we want to be certain that you're aware of with our headlines. You know, there are Democrats, House Democrats, that are urging Justice Clarence Thomas to do the honorable thing and to recuse himself in any Trump case that comes before the court. The, the, uh, the House Dems are saying that, you know, his wife's activities raise serious questions about his ability uh, to even appear to be impartial in any cases invo- uh, in, in any cases before the Supreme Court involving the 2020 election and the January 6th insurrection. And that came from a letter from uh, many of the uh, representatives out of the House of, uh, House of Representatives. Hank Johnson out of Georgia was the one who spearheaded uh, this effort. And, you know, it, it's just incredible because the House Democrats, are. Uh, this was just on Monday, called for the U.S. Supreme Court to recuse himself pending any of these matters. And so it's going to be interesting to watch that as it works its way through the system. Uh, similarly, because, you know, when uh, we're close here to D.C., so we keep our ear to the ground, you know, the ACLU and uh, Snowden uh, slammed the bipartisan extension of the unconstitutional spying law. You know, it's, it's incredibly heart- disheartening that Congress decided to extend an easily abused law with zero of the reforms needed to protect all of our privacy. And that comes from the ACLU. And they're saying that there's the, uh, the extension of, uh, of the uh, National Security, through the National Security Agency. Edward Snowden, of course, was the whistleblower in, the, in this particular situation. But when we were dealing with FISA in Section 702, you know, we were talking about uh, the, the government's ability to, to get into people's communications. And it was supposed to be designed for people that were, uh, that were not U- U.S. citizens, but now it has been extended and, u- and has been used for U.S. citizens and spying uh, on us and our communications. So, you know, the, the, uh, the Congress just voted to extend that. It was going to end. Congress voted to extend it. It now goes before President Biden for consideration. You know, the other ones we wanted to just lift up very, quick, very quickly. You know, Americans in the Washington Post, they were telling us why they were feeling better or worse about the economy. And what we found out is that Americans were split. On key questions, are they better off financially than they were three years ago? And this, you know, during this election season, it's going to be big. You know, many have gotten new jobs, bought new homes, boosted their savings. But at the same time, the higher cost of living has chipped away at their spending power. So that's going to be a really major issue as we talk about politics in 2020, uh, in 2024 and what's coming forward. You know, I'm really excited to welcome uh, our next two guests uh, that are with us. 
this morning. We have with us Dwight McKee, who is just an incredible soci- uh, social scientist, sociologist. He's the Dean of Students at uh, Moffa Redemption Project at uh, New Mount Pilgrim Missionary Baptist Church. Uh, and we also have with us Carl Snowden, who is the convener of Caucus of the African American Leaders. He's a former director of Minority Affairs for the Office of the Attorney General for the state of Maryland. Dwight McKee, welcome back. I feel like, you know, we're, we're almost related. We talk so much, Dwight. How are you doing today? Congratulations on your host in the show. You were perfect choice for this. Uh, well, well, thank you so much. Yeah, Dwight, let, let's jump into this 2024 uh, election cycle. You know, right now, we know that Iowa uh, is coming up on January the 15th on this uh, for their caucus. And then, you know, of course, all the uh, primaries kick off from there. We also know that in Iowa, they they recently, Governor Kim Reynolds, that's there, uh, the Biden administration extended to them an opportunity for a summer food program for kids. And in this summer food program, in essence, kids that are hungry, kids that uh, uh, need food assistance, experiencing food insecurity, uh, it's estimated to be some 240,000 kids in the state of Iowa. Uh, and Governor, uh, Governor Reynolds has decided that she didn't want this help from the federal government because she thought that these kids would end up uh, uh, obese and not making good food choices so that she would rather have them hungry than to extend to them this type of service and this type of help from the Biden administration. Dwight McKee, is this some of this political stuff that we need to be concerned about this election series? What's happening? Absolutely. And how mean-spirited is this? It's... uh designed to punish there is a a callousness that that people who have have toward people who don't have and there's a blame game going on and that will allow the people to suffer if they don't agree with them politically and it's very very sad and it goes directly to Jesus' mandate I really kind of blame the church because Jesus commanded us to feed the hungry. He commanded us to visit the folk in their prison reform. He demanded that we uh, 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 give those shelter who had nowhere to stay. I mean, that was at the core of his theology. And for all of those, quote-unquote, evangelicals and Christians and Catholics and those who profess themselves to be Christians because Iowa and some of these other states are the the, the heartland of evangelicalism. Uh, I, I kind of blame them because they have forfeited their commitment to the Christian values that Jesus demanded us demanded of us for the sake of political uh, uh, games and the sake of. Uh, being able to maintain control over legislators and, and laws and resources. And it's really, literally a sin before God. Well, and, you know, we have Reverend Todd Yuri that that that, uh, that has joined us. And uh, Reverend Yuri is a, a senior pastor here in Baltimore, uh, one of the uh, really uh, iconic churches that's here. Reverend, uh, Reverend Raphael Warnock uh, used to be at the uh, at this church. And, you know, Reverend Yuri, I got to ask you, you know, 
you know, what, what Dwight was laying out, and, and we're talking about, you know, the, this Iowa governor that decided that she'd rather let these kids, these 240,000 kids, go hungry than accept funds from the Biden administration uh, to help feed these kids throughout the summer, for the three months throughout the summer. Reverend, you're, you know, from from your theological perspective, from your political perspective, you know, we see in in Bethlehem that they had to cancel Christmas because of the bombing that's going on there. We now see in Iowa that they don't want to give food to these children that need food, and this is all politics. What are we most, What are we to make of this going into this uh, election season? Well, good morning, Daryl, and to. Uh Big Brother Dwight, and I think I heard Carl Snowden's name mentioned. Look, here, here's the deal when we think about it practically. If we understand how uh, poverty infiltrates our community and the roles that schools play uh, in helping to alleviate that poverty, it's critical that we not miss the connection that uh, many times in school systems across the country – the school day is actually responsible for most of the nutrition that many poor students get. And if you look at some of the areas where there's high-density poverty, many of these students are, are homeless as well. They're housing insecure. And so it goes to a deeper issue. It's a different kind of animosity toward the poor. You're going to abuse those who are already struggling just to make it. And because you want to make a point because you don't agree with how public dollars are spent, you're going to take it out on the least of these. And so I think it, it's it's not just the politics, it's the principle behind it or the lack thereof uh, that has us in this position where we've got to remember that elections are not about personalities, it's about policies and principles. It's a, It's a moral exercise. And if the people don't get out and make their voices heard, then what we're saying is we are endorsing by our own complicit behavior the ability to say to folks who are trying to 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 get ahead, they say, all right, you gotta you gotta work on your merit by your merit. You gotta you gotta advance. You gotta compete. But if you're not going to give me the tools I need, even to just survive, to start at the starting line with everybody else, then how is it that you're going to expect me to compete? It is the most asinine, the most indignant and indifferent kind of policy that I've heard. And quite honestly, it's not the first time we've heard it. We typically see it when there's an argument about we don't like how you spend the money. And so we would rather cut the deficit. There's that deficit talk. We would rather cut the deficit on the backs of the poor rather than dealing with the issues of what are the principles that make the fabric of the country better. And, you know, you know, Reverend Garrett, you raise a really uh, interesting point. And, Carl Snowden, I've got, to, I've got to ask you, you know, a little earlier we heard from uh, from Barbara Arnwyden, and she was talking about uh, in Arkansas uh, that the courts there are, are uh, at this point, have blocked uh, individual rights uh, with regards to uh, Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act so that if you, if you feel as though you've been discriminated against and your right to vote, that you don't have standing as an individual to go to the court and say, guess what? I've been wrong. I'm suing you. You've got to go to the U.S. Attorney General and hope they pick up uh, your, your case and, and fight for you. You know, when we listen to Reverend Year, he's talking about the importance of voting. And, you know, we're talking about the importance of elections. When we're talking about this Iowa governor, you know, we're, we're talking about someone who's, who's been elected and now is electing to allow children 
to go hungry. You know, when we think about what's happening over uh, in, in Gaza, you know, we're, we're talking about people that in the United States that are, are electing to take positions and, and putting people in power to make decisions as to where our principles and where our interests lie as a country. When we pull all of this together, you're with the caucus of African-American leaders. You guys are suing uh, here in what, two different jurisdictions over individuals' right to vote, their, 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 their ability to have their vote counted, their ability to, to have their, right, their vote meaningful in an election series. When you hear what's happening in Iowa, when you hear what's happening in Arkansas, when you hear what's happening in, in Gaza, and you understand and appreciate the, the, the principles that are understanding all of this, just the, the Christianity side of, of what's going on here, what say you? you know, what does the caucus say about this? What action should be taken? And what does this mean? Well, first, Daryl, thank you for being um, <clears throat> hosting the program and giving me and others an opportunity to share a viewpoint. And the Reverend, nice to hear your voice once again. I think uh, we should just take a page from history. You know, the late uh, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. put it best. The greatest march that someone can participate in a democracy is the march to the ballot box. And as we get ready for the 2024 election, that's exactly what we need to be doing. What is going on in Iowa is not a surprise. It is an indication, a dress rehearsal for what's coming. In my humble opinion, uh, the 2024 election has nothing to do with the two men that's running for the presidency. It's going to have to do with the direction of the country. We literally, next year, there will be a referendum on the dream that Dr. King had, a dream that included a society that was just, a society that was fair, a society that was racially neutral. There are people who are running publicly for that presidency who's made it very clear. Should they get elected to public office, they're turning back the clock on Dr. King's dream. For me, we have to be able to put this in language that people understand. This is not a typical election that's coming up. This will be the most consequential election in our lifetime. What is going to happen in 2024 will literally change the direction of this nation one way or the other or put us deeper into war. The current Republican nominee has made it very, very clear that should he get the presidency, it's going to be retribution. Not just retribution on black folks, but retribution on people he considered to be his enemies. So I think we have to speak in very clear terms. While hunger is a problem, undoubtedly, this is war. They literally are looking at this as a war. And from their perspective, uh, they take no prisoners. And lastly, I would like to just say, you mentioned the Iowa conference, uh, our caucus, rather, will take place on January 15th. Very symbolic day. That happened to be the birthday of Martin Luther King Jr. Again, it's the kickoff to what direction this country is going to go in. Are we going to go further to the right? Or are we going to try to right the problems that have taken place over the last 50 plus years? Wow. And thank you for and that I perspective. Yes, I want Please, to add, Daryl, that it, it's the essence of hypocrisy. Is the same crowd who purports to be pro-life, That's who's right. anti-abortion, who everything starts with 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 the womb, uh, who has put put the whole democracy online that they may have imposed this notion of babies have the ultimate uh, good. They are willing to starve children That's right. once they're born and bomb children in Gaza 
uh, over and over and over again, and it's the essence of hypocrisy. You couldn't be any more hypocritical when you talk about your pro-life when it comes to unborn babies, but anti-life when it comes to babies that are born and need to be nurtured and cared for. And and you're absolutely right, you know, Dwight. It, it really is uh, it's a power grab, right? You want to control the narrative. You want to uh, take away uh, a woman's right to make decisions uh, with regards to what she can uh, what she can do with 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 her body. So you know, it, it's one of those things where uh, it's a power grab. And you know, there's no better time for the American people to to step up. And say no, you know, you're, we're, we're going to stop this power grab. I mean, if you're okay with the power grab, that's one thing. But whatever it, whatever your position is, you know, uh, Iowa begins that time to to start voting. One of the other pieces that uh, that I would lift up, and this is part of that power grab too, I, I, I would argue. And uh, and Todd, I know that that you know you do criminal defense work as do I uh, across uh, uh, you know throughout the state of Maryland and around. There was a, a gentleman, Glenn Simmons, who, after being incarcerated for 48 years, was exonerated. And now that he's been exon- exonerated, he was just recently exonerated, he now has stage four colon cancer. And his chance of living the next five years are, 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 are dim. And he's only being paid, he's supposed to be paid $175,000 a, a year for, uh, for, you know, for his compensation uh, from being incarcerated for 48 years, but that's being held up, and, he, uh, and, and that's not happening. So where, where we are now, we know that Ayanna Presley has introduced this bill that would allow people that were previously incarcerated to be able to vote, allow people that are currently incarcerated to be able to vote. You know, across the country, it's just confusing as to when people that are incarcerated, when they regain their rights to vote. So what Ayanna Presley has done, she, she tried to you know, just make it normal across uh, the same across the country uh, when an incarcerated person would regain their right to vote. The whole right to vote for people that were incarcerated, that have uh, suffered from, uh, um, uh, that were you know, divested of their rights be- because of uh, previous uh, felony convictions, that all goes back to slavery, Todd. Isn't this consistent with this power grab about, uh, you know, taking over the woman's right to choose, telling children, you know, let's be clear, in Iowa, it's primarily black and brown children. They're saying, we're not going to give you food. We don't want you to vote. Uh, Arkansas, black and brown folks, we don't want you to bring lawsuits to protect your right to vote. Incarcerated people, we don't want you to vote. Isn't there a consistency that's here, Todd? Well, yeah, there's a consistency. It's called we the people. If we go back to those first three words, uh, everybody keeps uh, talking about we the people as if it was an all-inclusive concept. No, we the people was an interest concept. And it establishes that there was a carve-out. There was a distinction between those who had certain rights that were guaranteed and others that were uh, somewhat more, you know, hypothetical, theoretical, depended on the situation. When we consider, and you mentioned uh, 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 Lynn Simmons, the, the, the fact that uh, here, here's why he, he lost his right to vote, that in his trial, the prosecutor withheld information from his defense attorney, that it wasn't even a fair litigation outcome. Uh, 
And now that he has endured the, the brunt of the hostility of the system, to add insult to injury, not only are there questions about will he have the right to vote, will he live long enough to vote? We've got to go back and look at how do we tap into our moral outrage. We have the right, we have the obligation to be righteously indignant about the way the system abuses folks who don't fall within the category of we the people. And this is where elections are so critically important. It's not about whether or not you like the person. Somebody's going to get elected. Somebody's going to make some decisions. Some of those decisions are going to go against interest. But if we don't show up on behalf of our self-interest, then what we're saying is, okay, with whatever the outcome is. So if you get somebody in Iowa who decides that they don't want to feed poor children and poverty is a condition, it's not a color. You got to remember, right. poor white kids are getting trapped in that. Too. That's right. And so we've got to be very principled about how we approach these elections so that whether you get, and I think uh, Congresswoman Presley is on the right path, but the bigger problem is, is how are you going to get to enforcement? Because I think the first thing you're going to have is an argument over the constitutionality of it, because many folks have argued, as did uh, former Congressman Jesse Jackson Jr., he was argued that we need to, to put it in the Constitution that we have an absolute right to vote. That's always been the argument. If we can get back to those kinds of tangible fights on the ground, the next four years will be so critical, it will set us back at least two generations, if not more, in terms of the progress that we've had to fight for. And you know, Dwight, you know, Barbara and Arline, Barbara Arnline and I have been all over this country uh, fighting for felony, uh, fighting against felony disenfranchisement. When I read this story about uh, Brother Simmons and what he's gone through, that he was in prison for 48 years, 48 years and then he's exonerated. 48 years, he couldn't vote. 48 years, and he's exonerated. You don't get those times back. You don't get those votes back. Dwight, I, what do we do? What is the answer? You know, we, we know that with this Congress that we've got to vote to put people in that can right the ship. What do we do to encourage these people to come out and vote and do the right thing? Yes. They have to see their self-interest in, in voting. Most people vote based on their on pocketbooks, not based on moral issues. And we have to be able to, to explain to them that there is a, rela- a direct relationship between the moral obligation to protect the poor and to uh, pursue justice and their need to be involved in the political process. And it's just not all about the, the price of gas or the price of bread. Uh, many of, of, of Americans have this moral facade that can be challenged and needs to be challenged to say that, hey, you have the power in your hand not just to provide for yourself, but to provide and protect those people who don't have the power in their own lives to do that. And as a quote-unquote so-called Christian, this is what God holds you responsible to do. These are the concerns that Jesus has. Jesus spent all this time talking about the price of gas and the price of bread. Then he does talking about protecting the poor, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, and visiting those in jail. 
If you really believe that you're going to be judged, these are the things that God said he's going to judge you by. It's a moral obligation, not just a political obligation. Folks, don't touch that dial, that moral obligation for you to come back here and listen as we go forward more with the Santita Jackson Show. Don't touch that dial, folks. We'll be right back. This is the Santita Jackson Show. All right, all right. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. Uh, I'm attorney Daryl Jones. I'm the board chair of the Transformative Justice Coalition, and we're so excited that you are joining us uh, this morning for this holiday session uh, on the Santita Jackson Show. And folks, happy Kwanzaa for those that celebrate Kwanzaa. Happy Kwanzaa to you, the first day of Kwanzaa's today. Happy holidays to everybody, regardless of the, of the celebration that you're having. Merry Christmas to my Christian brothers and sisters that are celebrating uh, the, the Christmas and the birth of Christ. Uh, yesterday, uh, we are hoping that your holiday is in full swing and you're in celebratory mode and appreciation of all the great things that are going on in your life, your family, your friends, and all of your loved ones. You know, I want to give a tremendous shout out to the Santita Jackson Morning Stars and all that they're doing. They've been uh, with the show all year long. They come in day in, day out, and they do their thing. So special shout out to the Santita Jackson uh, Morning Stars. Folks, let me tell you, you know, Barbara and Arnwine and I, if you like the discussion that you've been hearing, we, we do our show uh, every Tuesday. We'll be on today at noon Eastern Standard Time, 11 o'clock Central Standard Time. We'll have more conversation. We'll be talking about uh, all the highlights and lowlights of, of 2023 and the things that, have, uh, uh, that we're expecting for 2024. You can catch us on WOL or Barbara Arnwine. BarbaraOnline.com, and you can listen to our show at uh, 11 a.m. Central and 12 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Folks, let me tell you, WCPT, if you have, uh, if you want to join in in this conversation, you should call in at 773-763-WCPT. That's 773-763-9222. Seven eight, And let me tell you, we've been talking all things 2024 elections. It's time to put your voting shoes on, your voting boots on, your vote, whatever it is that you take to go vote, get your vote on. Uh, it's that time of year beginning in January. Uh, it all gets started. But before we go back into the conversation, I wanted to go over uh, you know, this, uh, this voice of progressive uh, Minnesota radio station, this largest progressive station in the nation. We got to talk about the weather. Uh, the weather uh, for Minneapolis, St. Paul, right now there's a light rain this morning. It's about 46 degrees. It's going to taper off a little later today, so don't worry about that. Uh, the low this evening in St. Paul, Minnesota, will be 27. In Chicago, the high today is going to be 47 degrees, and tonight is going to be a chilly 31 uh, degrees, so, uh, so bundle up and uh, get a hot cup of cocoa or hot cup of tea if you're going out in, in Chicago uh, this evening. In the sports, the Chicago Bears beat the Arizona Cardinals 26-17 on Sunday, and the Minnesota Vikings... Oh boy, they lost to the Detroit Lions, but Detroit's having a really good year, 30 to 24. And a special one for you, Reverend Todd Year and Carl Snowden, the Baltimore Ravens uh, beat the San Francisco 49ers, with many are calling a, a 
a prelude of the Super Bowl that is to come with MVP Lamar Jackson just continuing to shine. The Chicago Bulls, they're going to take on the Atlanta Hawks tonight at 8 p.m. in Chicago. And the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, they lost last night to the New York Knicks 122 to 129. The Chicago hockey team was also in action and they lost to the St. Louis Blues 7 to 5. You know, some of our headline uh, stories. Christmas celebrations were canceled in Bethlehem. In Bethlehem. Christmas celebrations were canceled, but not Christmas. And I'm going to tell you, you know, with all the bombing and all that was going on, uh, they, they could not safely celebrate the holiday. And it just means something to the soul, uh, I, I, I think, uh, uh, Reverend Yeary and Dwight McKee, to hear that they couldn't celebrate the birth of Christ and the, and the birthplace uh, of Christ. Also in the headlines today, <clears throat> we have, <laughs> y'all like this one. Uh, we have this GOP senator, this U.S. Senator Tom Tillis out of North Carolina, who has proposed cutting funds for states that bar Trump from the ballot. You know, the bill also states that the Supreme Court would have the sole jurisdiction to decide cases involving the Constitution's insurrection clause. That's Tom Tillis coming out of North Carolina uh, with that. My goodness, you know, I can only imagine how that's going to be received there uh, in the Senate. Hopefully uh, it doesn't have any legs and doesn't go uh, anywhere. One of the other headline stories that we were talking about is that Americans right now, they seem to be pretty split uh, as to whether or not they're doing better or worse. Uh, Many have gotten new jobs and raises, uh, the polls have found, but uh, they've bought new homes. They've been able to boost their savings and, and, and spend heartily, but their higher cost of living chipped away at their spending power. And uh, they have rising rents and food costs and utilities. So despite the growing economy and the job market, just 14% of Americans say they are better since President Biden took office three years ago, while 55% say they are worse off. And that's according to a November poll from the Financial Times uh, that was done at the University of Michigan's Ross School of Business. My goodness. The other piece that we certainly wanted to, to raise and we were talking about today is that uh, Glenn Simmons, who uh, now is coming up on 71 uh, years of age, uh, was incarcerated. And he had been incarcerated for some 48 years in prison. And he's now fighting stage four cancer. He was exonerated after 48 years. Now he'll fight stage four cancer and he's estimated to have about four to five years to live. Uh, and the, uh, the state uh, where Glenn uh, Simmons is located, they haven't started giving him the funds that they're supposed to compensate him. And he's out of Oklahoma. They have, they're supposed to give him $175,000 a year uh, from when he was incarcerated. They haven't given him a dime, not one dime. So he started a, a GoFundMe. And my goodness, he's been without voting rights for all that period of time. You know, all this that's going on uh, around our country and, and, and in our world today with regards to what's happening in the Gaza, the, the, the whole move for peace uh, in, the, in the Middle East and dealing with Palestine. You know, uh, Dwight Mickey, there's something that's coming up uh, over at, uh, at Rainbow Push, this peace summit at Push headquarters. Dwight, can you tell us about that? Yeah, I can. On the 11th and 12th of January, we are putting together through uh, Reverend Jackson's um, review a peace summit and a summit on what's happening in Gaza and the Middle East. Uh, we think it's an atrocity for these 
children to continue to be victims of people's other political agenda and a cross-section of interest groups have come together, kind of spawned by the young, progressive Jewish uh, young people who they themselves see the moral moral, uh, decay of Zionism and its impact on a whole population of people that are powerless to, right now, even to eat and to have water. They have no access to even basic resources because of a political agenda. And so they, along with some of the Arab brothers and sisters, along with some of the progressives, white progressives and black progressives, uh, we all coming together to uh, address that issue, to see what kind of political and social dynamics we can apply. And our special guest will go all the way from uh, Cynthia uh, Nixon, the actress, to John uh, Cusack, the actor, to Cornel West has agreed to come in and speak to the issues. And so we're inviting all of our uh, supporters to come out, all people who are people of goodwill, all people who have concerns about what's going on in the world, to come out and make your presence known for this. That's January 11th and 12th at Operation Push Headquarters. Thank you so much for that, Dwight. And I know that uh, if if I can make it, I certainly am going to try to be there because it sounds like it's a phenomenal, not just a phenomenal lineup of people, but it's a phenomenal cause uh, for which people should come out and support. You know, folks, we've been talking about uh, the election in 2024. I want to delve even a a little more uh, deeply uh, into that issue now, because when we talk about uh, the the, the peace summit uh, that's going to be held over at Rainbow Push, and and that's focused on uh, international issues that's going on uh, in Palestine and and over in the Gaza Strip. But we also are facing this issue with regards to young voters for this 2024 election cycle. And the question is, are the young voters going to come out? And, uh, you know, uh, Carl I, and, and, and uh, Todd Yuri, you know, I, I always have pushed that, you know, young voters have been carrying uh, the, the vote for the last couple of years. They've been coming out in numbers. Uh, they, they're the reason that you have Senator Warnock and, and, and Senator uh, Ossoff in, in Georgia. There was young voters that did that. There were young voters that came out and were pushing for President Biden uh, to get into office by such a narrow margin uh, that, that, that he's gotten in. But the question has become, right, what's happening with young voters now, uh, um, uh, Todd, you know what's happening with young voters now? We know that abortion is going to be one of one of the driving issues for young voters. Uh, it, we know that that's an issue that's going to be of utmost uh, importance for them: the reproduction right. We know that they're the most multicultural, the most multi you know uh, accepting ex- uh, 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 block of voters that exists. And as of twenty twenty four, the Gen Z young millennial block of voters is the largest potential voting block in America. So when we talk about this, uh, the question with the Palestinians and and what's going on there in the Gaza Strip, we know that the folks that are are being bombed uh, there in the Gaza Strip, they're they're 50-some percent of their population is under the age of 19. 
that's going to identify, I would think, with these young voters here in the United States. You know, we heard uh, 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 Dwight talk about the food and water insecurity and the starvation that's going on there that's affecting those those kids under 19. That's going to be something I suspect is going to be reflected in our young voters here. The economics, we've heard that, you know, half of the people don't think they're doing better than they were three years ago. The young voters are now going to be coming into the workplace. Is this, are these the issues, Todd, that are going to be driving folks to the polls this election, uh, this election cycle? And does the White House need to be concerned? Is there a messaging concern with any of this, Todd? Well, I think the answer to the question is D, all of the above. All of these are issues that are important, but I think we got to recognize the math right there are potentially eight plus million new voters coming online in 2024 of that Gen Z uh, demographic. Uh, when we look at the diversity of Gen Zers and, and millennials, uh, somewhere in the upper 40 percent uh, uh people of color. Uh, and so there's great diversity of interest and, and, and great diversity of self-interest. And I think all of those things will drive. Here's, here's the thing that we got to be clear on in terms of the civics is because we talk about these elections as if it is one election. There are 50 state elections that lead to one presidential outcome if we're looking at who's sitting in the big seat. So we've got to be comprehensive. We've got to be more diligent in paying attention to what's going on up and down the ballot, because most of what affects our day-to-day lives is, is what's going on in state houses, what's going on in Illinois, what's going on in Minnesota. Uh, the, the real issue with the federal government is really the disbursement of public funds. Uh, and so when we look at how this thing works, we've got to make sure who's controlling the purse of the nation. Right? The Congress is going to set the budget, but the president sets the priorities. Uh, we've got to make sure that who's going to represent those interests from uh, a public dollar investment or, or, or expenditure standpoint. But then we've got to start looking at what's happening down ballot. Who's going to be uh, sitting in executive chairs in the states where you have elections and picking, who's, uh, selecting judges who are going to make decisions? Decisions about person's liberty. Who's going to be uh, elected to the executive chair of the cities that deal with what's going on grassroots? Who's hiring the police chief? Who's making sure that we have constitutional policing uh, on our streets? Who's making sure that we have uh, full funding for education because that's going to be a new battle? Who's making sure uh, that we've got living wages, livable wages that are going on? Because the federal minimum wage battle has been going on so long. It's going to take them uh, another generation to finally catch up with where some of the states and localities are in terms of setting that as a priority. What we cannot do is dismiss this voting block as being insignificant, because one thing that this generation does is they're not listening to the same platforms that we're listening to. They are having their own conversations that are very intentional and very thoughtful about what they're going to do. What we have to do is to make sure that we encourage them, whatever their perspective might be. It doesn't have to be the same as mine, but what we need is their engagement and their participation and not just uh, come at them because they don't do it the way we do. I'm excited about what it's going to mean because I remember once upon a time when I would have been uh, my generation's Gen Zer and I couldn't wait for my first election where I could actually vote. It's going to be a big deal this year for a lot of young people. And I think if we don't expand the message and be more inclusive in terms of our outreach and more importantly, 
importantly, in terms of our listening, what's going to go into these platforms, we're going to find ourselves that maybe these young people are not going to sit out. Maybe they're going to step up and they're going to up in whatever we are anticipating as the most likely outcome in the upcoming election. And, you know, Mm. Carl, you know, I listened to what uh, uh, Dwight, did you want to respond? No, no, no. You're just right on. Just right on point. Uh, You're right on point. And, and, you know, Carl, I, I listened to, to, to what uh, Todd has just said. And, you know, when we talk about the Palestinian question, and whatever side of this you're on, you're pro-Israel or you're pro-Palestine, whatever side you're on, the one undisputable fact is that there have been 20,000 people that have been killed uh, as a result of the bombings that are going on there, and that 55% of that population is under the age of 19 our young voters here are going to identify with those individuals. Regardless of the side, they're going to see their peers being killed. You know, they're going to, on top of that, you know, they're dealing with, uh, uh, you know, their, their, their right to autonomy over their bodies. They're dealing with the economics. They're also dealing with, Carl, you know, and, and I've got to ask you this, they're also dealing with other insecurities, right? Because we know that uh, as the coronavirus um, you know, uh, debt relief ends, those programs begin to end, evictions have already started going up, for, and particularly for, for black children and their mothers between ages of 20 and 35. You know, in any given quarter, there are 25% of the children that are in rental, in, uh, rental homes under the age of five are facing eviction. These are those real kitchen table issues that I think are going to be driving this election. Carl, Help us out. What do you think on this? Well, Daryl, let me just say, you uh, have run for elected office, been in public office, as I, as I have. It, it's not as complicated as one would make it. You People vote the interest. People come out when there is something on the ballot that they believe in. I mean, we've looked in the past. Uh, when marijuana was on the ballots all over this country, people turned out in great numbers. Young people, because young people thought there needed to be a change in the policies that took place. When the right to abortion is on the ballot, we see young people turning out. There's no secret to how you get people to, to the polls. You change the narrative. You talk about the issues that impact on them. With all due respect to what you were saying about Gaza and the fact of the matter is a moral outrage. But the fact of the matter is that there are many people living all over this country who are facing violence every day. But they're not facing violence through war. It's what law enforcement officials are doing, where people are being murdered by police officers. The injustice, we need to speak to the domestic issues that deal with what people want. You know, the whole George Floyd Act, if we could have that as a referendum, for example, on the state ballots all over the country, you would see more and more people responding to voting. I want to be like an alarm clock this morning. An alarm clock's responsibility is to wake you up, not put you to sleep. And we have to sound the alarm. I don't think people really understand how serious this upcoming election is for people, for America. From my perspective, this is a referendum on the democracy that we have seen in past years. The kind of things you were talking about throughout this program for people paying attention We've already lost certain privacy rights in this country. I am a, I've been a victim. I know what the government can do. I remember the old COINTEL program that took place. When Donald Trump talked about retribution, we need to understand what that means. And for a lot of people, 
when they talk about the weaponizing of the Justice Department, anybody that's been following history, anybody that lived and pay attention, the Justice Department was weaponized when they wiped out the Black Panther Party. That entire movement called the Black Panther Party no longer existed today because of what the Justice Department did and the FBI did. So I think we need to really speak to people in very clear terms. What is at stake? What the great challenges as well as opportunities that we have as we move forward. Todd and I come from out of Maryland. So we saw the results of people turning out in large numbers. And for the first time in the state of Maryland, we have an African-American governor, attorney general, speaker of the house, treasurer, the largest black uh, legislative uh, caucus in the country. That didn't happen by accident or happenstance. It, it happened because people saw the value of them going forward and voting and voting in great numbers. We have to make this election an election on the referendum as a referendum on the future. I have faith in the future, but I also know my history. And I know just as we've got these great gains, we can lose them. That's real. It has happened before. And Donald Trump's advocacy of a second term will be something that will affect all Americans and most importantly, African-Americans. Lastly, this presidential candidate has publicly stated that if he gets the power again, he's going to round up Americans and put them in camps. Anybody understand what happened with the uh, Japanese Americans being rounded up? This is real. This can really happen. You know, we're talking about the bombing in Gaza. Well, don't we remember that they bombed the church in Birmingham, Alabama? Innocent children died. Have we forgotten what happened with George Floyd? We have to, again, I think, make this an election about the future and be very, very clear what's at stake. And, you know, Carl, I think that you're, you're right on the mark in, in saying we've got to make this uh, certainly an election about the future and determine uh, what's at stake and recognize what's at stake and try to elect officials uh, that are in accordance uh, in assignment and in alignment with our uh, principles and beliefs of what we believe as a community. You know, uh, I know, Alex, that we have a, a caller that's on the line, uh, Lee, who says that he supports uh, genocide. Is that correct? Uh, uh, is there is Lee on the line? Biden, I'm sorry, can I go on? Yes. Okay. Biden continues to fully commit American tax dollars to support the Israel genocide, and our bases are bombed in reaction by Iran. So now we're spending our tax dollars to pay for his strikes on Iran to retaliate for the, the mess that he made by, uh, by spending our tax dollars to support the genocide of Israel. You know, it's, it's all disgusting, and, you know, it takes somebody like uh, Santita Jackson to tell us what's really going on. Uh, it's disgusting in America. And this person who just spoke about the, the issues for the 2020 election, 2024 election, are so on point. You know, one of the people on her show a couple of days ago said uh, Biden's poll numbers are dropping like a rock because the, uh, the uh, Middle Eastern uh, citizens are sick and tired of his support, supporting genocide. So they're not going to vote for him. 
And he's killing, it's killing him. I, I met with uh, Jonathan Jackson, the first congressional representative uh, from the south side of Chicago, uh, on Saturday. And I told him, Jonathan, you've got to tell Biden to stop supporting the genocide or he's going to lose the election. Jonathan looked me straight in the face and said, Lee, I'm trying. I've already started. <laughs> the guy's a really amazing guy. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm too no, That's fine. We appreciate you calling in, Lee. We appreciate that. We're going to take a break, and we will be right back with more Santita Jackson Show. Hold on, folks. We'll be right back. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. I'm Attorney Daryl Jones, the board chair of the Transformative Justice Coalition, and we're so excited that you're joining us today for the Santita Jackson Show. No, I am not Santita Jackson. Uh, she is taking a much-deserved rest break as she uh, continues to uh, to just do well and, and listen to Dr. Shanina Knight and take her advice and do some personal time to take some personal care to keep everything uh, as tight and beautiful as, as Santita always is. So we're very appreciative of the fact that uh, she has taken that personal time to uh, to just be certain that she has a chance to, to get her rest on. And it's really a well-deserved rest. Well, you know, we've been having an exciting conversation here. And let me tell you, if you want to uh, continue, you just can't get enough of, of this type of conversation. Uh, I encourage you uh, at 11 o'clock Central Standard Time or 12 o'clock Eastern Standard Time to, to join Barbara Arnwine and I on Igniting Change Radio. Uh, you can join us by going to barbaraarnwine.com uh, or you can go to wolldcnews.com and we will be doing Igniting Change Radio. We're going to be doing the, the year in review talking about the high moments of, of politically and the low moments of voting rights and, and all the other issues like that, that that are going on. So we encourage you to do that. But, you know, as we were going into the break, we took a caller from a uh, call from Lee who had called in and was talking about uh, that uh, in, in his estimation that with Biden's support uh, of Israel and the funding that he's really supporting genocide and the genocide uh, of those that are in the, the Palestinians that are in the uh, Gaza Strip area. And, you know, it's really interesting because we're talking the elections 2024 right now. We've got just three great people that we're having this conversation with. You know, we have Dwight McKee, who's just uh, a noted social scientist. He's the dean of students for Moffat Redemption Project over at New uh, Mount Pilgrim Missionary Baptist Church in Chicago. We also have with us Carl Snowden who is the convener of the Caucus of African-American Leaders. He's a former director of minority affairs uh, for the Office of the Eternal Attorney General of the State of Maryland. We also have with us Reverend Dr. Todd Yeary, who is the senior pastor at Douglas Memorial Community Church in Baltimore, Maryland. That's the church, as it sounds familiar, that's the church where uh, Senator Raphael Warnock uh, used to pastor just prior to uh, Reverend Todd Yeary uh, then coming in and taking over. Well, you know, when our caller Lee uh, called in, uh, Todd, you know, or excuse me, uh, called in Dwight, one of the things that were really interesting 
is that you know, he was talking about Biden supporting genocide, really supporting the Israeli side uh, of, of this battle that's going on uh, in the Middle East with Gaza and you know just the most populated uh, area in the, in the world there in the Gaza Strip with millions of people there in a very small area. But interestingly, it's a real tight rope, I think, that the Biden administration has to walk, particularly during this election cycle, because the polls show that an overwhelming majority of Americans support the ceasefire uh, that has been uh, promoted by um, primarily by the progressive uh, caucus coming out of Congress and, and, and many other Americans. So, uh, Dwight, you know, with regards to what our caller Lee had to say about Biden supporting genocide and understanding the election that he is now, President Biden is now, re-election that President Biden is now facing, uh, how do you respond? Well, it's um, he's really allowing Netanyahu to uh, to create the narrative, and for some reason he seems helpless to join in. The United States really is the only one who has the capacity to resist this 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 mass murder because they're supplying both the arms and the money and the cover for this to be done. And somehow Biden is swept up in the moment and has really been silent on the enforcement, not on the rhetoric now. He's been rhetorical, but he's been silent on the enforcement of saying that if you don't stop the bombing, we will stop sending money. Um, I think that it's, uh, it's going to cause Biden the election. Because a lot of the young people, where the energy is coming from, from the Democratic Party, are disgusted. They are absolutely disgusted by what they see as a moral breakdown of everything that they thought was going to be moral about America, about their country. And they can't believe that their country can co-sign on such a a devastating, uh, humane, catastrophe as that which is happening over in the Middle East. They just cannot believe it. And it makes them not just they're not right now dropping out of the process. They're resisting the process. Now how it plays out whether or not it it it, it uh kills the election for the Republicans or it really gives the third candidates like Cornell West and those who've been pushing peace, more juice is yet to be seen. But it's clearly going to have an impact on the election. And Todd, I've got to ask your opinion on it as well, because, you know, when we're looking at what, what's happening there uh, in the Middle East, and I think Dwight so perfectly laid it out when he talked about the impact that this has on young voters. And, and, and you know, Todd, you know me, I, I'm going to push the Gen Z and the young millennial voter because you know, that is the potential largest voting block in the United States. When you see that voting block supporting a ceasefire overwhelmingly, 
But at the same time, you look at the Biden administration, and you know there's the APAC money that's that's being involved and in, in influencing some of the decisions that are being made here. And you also look at the UN vote, where the U.S. you know uh, was was against a, a, a lot of the uh, stuff that was going on there uh, against Israel's Israel through the UN vote. Is this a problem for the administration? And is time running out because we're we're we're, we're in primary season now? Two and a half weeks. Iowa is voting. So it, it's moving. Is there time for the administration to, you know, uh, somehow right the ship if they think the ship has been wrong with regards to these young voters and what's happening? Well, I guess it depends on what what we're defining as riding the ship. I think what they have to get clear on is what's the message. Uh, the messaging that has come from this administration from the very earliest days has been complicated at best and in most instances just wanting uh, because you just kind of you see the administration, the president has missed opportunities to really talk about something other than what's commanding the storyline in in real time. Uh, whether or not this what's going on in the Middle East, what's going on in Europe is going to impact the presidency, it really comes down to what's going to happen in the primaries. If we start to see that there is a tighter race amongst candidates that are running in uh, the party processes, uh, I think you will begin to see an expansion of the message and a, a bit more precision. And so I think everybody's kind of going with the wait and see. Everybody's anticipating that this is going to be a rematch of Trump and Biden 2.0. But if there ends up being a little squishiness there, one, you've got the former president dealing with litigation. You've got the current sitting president's son dealing with litigation. You've got a lot of noise that is still not settled uh, in this conversation. And so I think it is a matter of wait and see. It really is about how do you get folks along the way to not get swept up into uh, this notion that there's only a single issue that we have to vote for in this process. We've got to get folks clear on what are their self-interests so that when it's time to vote in the caucuses and the primaries, they have an agenda, not just an issue. You can't go, you, if you go into a restaurant and they only have one thing on the menu, that's not a restaurant. That's a store, right? They're going to give you a product. They're not going to give you an option. We need to make sure that we go in with options, very clear options, and a very clear agenda that's laid out so that when we look at all of the issues that matter across the board, particularly amongst young people and maybe folks that have been voting for a while, it applies to us as well, that we've got to be comprehensive and not just reactive uh, to what's going on. But we still must hold the administration accountable for the policies that they are enacting in real time. And I think we saw it last week in terms of the abstention uh, on the vote that went before for uh, the United Nations about what's going on over there. This is not the time to get cute around uh, parliamentary procedure. It's, it's time to be real intentional and real precise. And to Big Brother Dwight's point, uh, you can't allow uh, the, the national uh, meaning of this moment from the United States standpoint be controlled by any uh, foreign leader, not just one that is believed to be uh, one of the strongest allies to, to the United States. I think we've got to be real clear, because what we've seen come out of Israel, even before October 7th even happened, the changing of the structure of the courts, the inability of the Supreme Court of Israel to be able to uh, hold the government accountable, that kind of erosion 
of, of civic integrity ought to raise red flags about why we are seeing the response that we're seeing because there are no checks and balances. We've got to make sure we do not follow down that slippery slope of what we're seeing coming from other countries. And that's exactly what we're hearing as part of the rhetoric as far as the next phase we're trying to go. So we've got to be wide-eyed, but we've got to be in line, ready to go, signed up, so that when the agenda's laid out, when we look at the menu in the restaurant, we find what we want and we order that. And, you know, Carl, thank, thanks for that, Todd, <clears throat> because, you know, we, we've got to take a look at the, at the menu. We've got to know what we're selecting because, you know, if, the, you know, if it is as it appears by most pundits right now that this race, that the presidential race comes down to, you know, President uh, Biden versus former President Trump, assuming that that's what's at play. And we have, you know, all the legal issues that are out there for for President Trump, who in the world knows how this Supreme Court is going to rule on whether or not he should be on the ballot, not be on the ballot, and whether that favors him, does it hurt him uh, politi- politically? Does he then become uh, Dwight? I used, I, I think you used to, uh, you know, what would you say, make a make a, um, a martyr out of the monster, right? Uh, uh, that that's there. You know, it doesn't have that type of effect. Who knows what's going to happen there? But Carl, one of the things that you know, I know you always say, and you were a former elected official, you've worked to elect officials. Throughout the state and across the country, one of the things that I recall hearing you say is that America has a short memory when it comes to things that are happening. And I wonder if, in this situation, if our our young voters, because you know me, young voters, if our young voters, do you think they're just going to forget what's happening over in Gaza when it's time to to vote? You know, will their domestic issues, the domestic issues that are important to them, will they overshadow? What's going on? What may be against their interests in uh, in Gaza, Brother Darrell? I would recommend to you and to your listeners take a moment and Google uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s last sermon uh, called the Christmas Sermon. It was done on Christmas Eve, nineteen sixty-seven. When you Google Martin Luther King Jr.'s Christmas Sermon, you will be struck by how relevant it is today. You know, one of the things that made, I think, Dr. King such a great prophetic leader, he did not buy into the narrative that people put out. You know, right now, you would think that this ongoing struggles between Jews and uh, Arabs and as and Palestinians, and as was said by Dwight earlier in the conversation, you know, there's going to be a summit. It's not all Jews who favor what's going on in Palestine, uh, in the Gaza Strip. We've got to be very, very careful to stop buying into other people's narratives of what's going on and do our own investigation and our own understanding. What Ty pointed out earlier, uh, the prime minister in Israel was in trouble. This war is not by accident or coincidence. He's trying to rally to stay in power. Unlike, not unlike what we've seen with presidents in America, where they use power and war as a way of trying to stay in power. We've got to stop buying into other people's narrative and begin to look at this larger question. One of the things that was so inspiring for me this weekend is I listened to Dr. King give this Christmas sermon. By the way, he did it in 1967. He did it on December 24th. He did it at the Ebenezer Church. So you get the full force of his measures. And essentially what he was saying is those of us who want to be the change agents, those of us who want to change America, got to be willing to do some sacrificing. This progress does not come inevitably. We have to be willing to do those things that will help change the course of America. The fact of the matter is we can 
influence the outcome of the 2024 race. We've done it before. We've got to energize, mobilize, and organize people who get the sense that this is an important election. Personalities aside, we've those of us who are old enough will remember, I certainly remember living through Nixon, living through Ronald Reagan, living through both Bushes. I remember the minister. I remember what it was like. And what kept us going forward, and I need not say this to the ministers because they understand it, there is something called faith. There is something that's so powerful in your belief. I always like to tell the story, Daryl, about how when the Dred Scott decision was handed down, um, <clears throat> when that decision was handed down, all of the abolitionists of that day gathered, including Frederick Douglass, who was from the state of Maryland. And they were talking about where do we go from here? The Supreme Court has just ruled uh, that black people have no rights, that white people are bound to respect. And the person who came late to the meeting was the Journal of Truth, who was illiterate, could not read or write. And the question was asked of her, or she asked the question of Frederick Douglass, what are you worried about? And he went on to explain how the Supreme Court had handed down this incredible decision and how it would affect their lives. And she said, is that all? And again, Frederick Douglass thought that she did not understand what he had just said. So in a very condescending patronizing way again he went on to tell her that the supreme court has just ruled that black people have no rights that white people are bound to respect and when he finished she said again is that all and he said did you not understand me and her response was you see frederick i thought you believed not in the supreme court but a supreme being our god did not bring us this far to leave us we've got to have some faith in the future that's what king's essential message is as we get ready for 2024 election We've got to take our faith, put put it on the streets, begin to organize people, get people involved in this process. I am convinced that if you convince, if you tell people what's going on, they will respond. They've done it before, over and over again. But when we try to develop these issues that divide us rather than bring us together, I happen to think there are more people who believe in peace than who believe in war. It's the way the message is given that I think will have the response that we want. And, and thank you for that, Carl. And, and you know, uh, Dwight, when we talk about the way that the, the message is, is given, I mean, I know that, uh, that you and I and, and Todd certainly have, have shared a platform where we talk about, uh, where we've talked about the, the difficulty or the poorness uh, in the execution of delivering the message, particularly from, from this administration. There's a lot that the, that the Biden administration has done uh, that if they messaged it correctly, uh, it would be received. And that could be some of the explanation for uh, the struggles uh, with the polling numbers uh, currently. But do you think, you know, when we hear about Christmas celebrations being canceled in Bethlehem, when we hear about just all the fights that are going on legislatively across the country, whether you're talking about the reproductive rights, whether you're talking about, you know, uh, the environmental rights, if you're talking about, uh, as Carl has mentioned, you know, the policing in America that's you know, being done, uh, uh, you know, uh, against uh, African-Americans in, in really high numbers, that all of that sort of builds up to... Uh, particularly the African-American community, brown and African-American community, to say, yeah, maybe I should sit this one out. Yeah, may, maybe things are, maybe I'm not seeing the value of my investment. What message do you bring to, to that voter, Dwight? Well, the problem in this case is not the messaging. It, all, it is the policies. These policies are counterproductive and detrimental to the people's interest. It is when you, 
suggested when it is clear that the Democrats are as willing to compromise the issues of democracy to hold on to power as Republicans are. Now, the Republicans are a little more extreme in their approach. But when you look at some of the things that the Democrats have supported, you see the same dynamic going on in the Democratic Party, that they're willing to subdue democracy to maintain power, whether it's, you know, it is the the uh, jamming of, of Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren at the primary level, whether it is the support, the domination of APEC for foreign policies at the uh the, the 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 foreign level, whether it is their position has been on um, on uh, the George Floyd and the Voting Act and mm-hmm. other issues that they're dealing with at the domestic level. It is they have a compelling need to maintain power to maintain the status quo at the expense of anybody who is progressive and counter uh, their positions. And so uh, messaging is not going to really help uh, them in terms of these elections. It has to be a change in policy and priorities. It is the Democrats that have continued to, to, to fund these wars and demand that we keep sending money to the Ukraine and we send, keep sending money to Israel uh, at the expense of the budget that we need to really kind of uh, deal with uh, what's happening in this country. It's the Democrats that don't have a real progressive uh, position on immigration as, you know, uh, the these Republican governors keep sending the, the immigrants to the, the, the Democratic cities, and yet Biden has not really made a priority of, how, of helping these Democratic mayors who are trying to do the right thing. It has to be uh, an adjustment in the policies, not just the messaging. And, you know, Dwight, you, know, you, you touched on an issue that, you know, you know, during the holiday season, people always have, you know, these hot button conversations that they can have at the dinner table. And that was one of the hot button conversations at my uh, at my Christmas uh, dinner table was immigration and New York City with all of the undocumented people that are coming in the, uh, the country and just just record numbers. And, and what it means in New York City, they were actually guaranteeing homes, guaranteeing that they'd have a place to stay if they were unhoused when they came to New York at taxpayer funded expense. Todd, this seems to be a problem for the administration. If if the American voters, if the American citizens are, 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 are don't have the ability to have homes, but people that are coming to their cities are given a place to stay automatically, that's going to be problematic. Shouldn't the administration be responding to that? I mean, when you listen to everything that Dwight has laid out, and I know we're going to run out of time, but when you listen to everything that, that Dwight has laid out, how do you encourage people to say, I'm still going to go out and vote in this election? How do you do that, Todd? Well, here's, here's how you do it. Uh, it it's a math problem. Uh, we know that the, the expenditures... The needs are going to be uh, 
far greater than the resources. Something's going to get left off the menu. And if we're not engaged about where the priorities need to be, if we're not serious about making sure our voices are heard, then we leave room for other folks' issues to uh, kind of supplant our needs when it comes time to have this conversation. But it's also an interesting discussion around federal dollars versus state capacity, which means then we have to teach folks the link between not just voting for who's going to sit in the Oval Office, but who's going to sit in the executive chair when it comes time to determine where are state dollars going to go to be able to address these competing needs. And we can't just make these sound bites. We've got to have substantive conversations. And one of the things that offends, I believe, young people is we try to give them snippets of a discussion instead of having a comprehensive discussion so that we can all make informed decisions about how we're going to vote. That's what's, what this is going to come down to. Something's going to get left out. Something's not going to be able to be addressed. And we cannot make it easy for someone to leave our issues out simply because we're too frustrated to go stand in line and vote. Absolutely. And Dwight, if someone wants to come and join you on January the 12th at the Rainbow Push headquarters and they want some more information about the Peace Summit, where do they find that? They can call Operation Push at uh, Rainbow Push at 312-373-373-373-3366. That's uh, 773-373-3366, Freedom. Or they can uh, come by the headquarters, 950 East 50th, uh, Chicago, Illinois. Or they can, you know, can find us on the Internet. Uh, you can give them internet information, uh, Yuri, who used to be the executive director. What is the, the internet information Operation Push? www.rainbowpush.org. All right, you got it. www.rainbowpush.org to find out more information with regard to the Peace Summit that is going to be going on January the 12th at the Rainbow Push headquarters. Carl Snowden, uh, if people want to find out more about the Caucus of African American Leaders, how do they find that out? Well, let me, um, Daryl, invite people who may be listening from Maryland. Congressman Jonathan Jackson will be the keynote speaker on January 11th in Annapolis uh, for the annual Martin Luther King Jr. dinner. They can call 443-871-5656 for more information. 443-871-5656. Have a great morning. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you for all of our guests for being on. I tell you, I'm going to end it like I've ended on our show for Igniting Change. Join us today at noon Eastern Standard Time, 11 Central Standard Time. Folks, get off the sidewalks, get into the streets, get to a ballot box, and cast your vote. Until tomorrow, folks, for for Santita, uh, Santita Jackson and friends, folks, thank you so much for tuning in. We look forward to talking to you soon. Take care, everybody.